being inside. And we all said amen to that. Hey, today at 6 o'clock from 6 to 8, we are having a church picnic. There's going to be homemade ice cream, which includes a homemade ice cream contest. Not an eating contest, but a, a tasting contest. Uh, Chuck Stevens has been nominated and elected to be the judge of that event. There will also be water slides, keyword there, water. But I do encourage you to bring your chairs. Bring uh, those, what do you call them, lawn chairs, soccer chairs. That will be helpful um, this evening. So, 6 to 8. Bryson is actually out of town. And I know he's been promoting this event and done a lot of background work to make this event happen. So let's be in prayer for Bryson. He's gone to Indiana to the funeral of a family friend. So let's pray for Bryson and his dad as they travel today out of town to Indiana. Um, hey, one of Heard County's most beloved residents and uh, stepfather of Ginger Harper passed away this week, Mr. Jimmy Pollard. Many of you will recognize that name. Uh, his services today, 3 o'clock at Caney Head is visitation and 4 o'clock is the funeral. So, Ginger, to you and your family, we love you. And Mr. Jimmy was a very special, special man to me and all who knew him. Um, hey, one, one ministry opportunity we have locally. So, Central Hatchie Elementary School, for their back-to-school uh, preparation, several churches in the area are going to go in together and provide supplies for the second grade. Well, we're, we're actually supplying for the second grade. Other churches are doing the others. So I've already passed out a few of these, but we need a few more taken care of because we need 40 bags of supplies. Long story short, if you're interested, I place some of these flyers on the desk in the Welcome Center. And in the bottom left corner, highlighted in yellow, is the list of supplies. This is pretty extensive. But I know all of you are up to this, okay? So, see Crystal, she's expert Walmart shopper in town. But this will be a blessing to the children of the second grade at Central Hatchie. So, again, we've been given this as an opportunity. Let me make sure. I want to thank the church for prayers for Mr. Richard Smith. He is vastly improved. And wants to thank our church. And I talked to Billy Vaughn just a few moments ago. He is at home, but he says he's really weak. So let's continue to pray for Mr. Billy. Now, next Sunday at 5 o'clock, choir practice. Deacon's meeting at 6 next Sunday. But today from 6 to 8, we're just doing ice cream and having fun. So hamburgers, hot dogs, water slides, and so forth. I think that that's all that I had as far as announcements go. Ma'am? Uh, probably, yes. Yes. Thank you. There will be a baptism next Sunday. I had forgotten to confirm that. Um, I'm looking for Bill. So Bill Grissett, resident counselor among us now. Uh, I was going to read our passage of scripture this morning and then pray, and then we'll sing. Good morning. I'm going to be reading from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 13. And if you're like me, I, I like when people put scripture to music. And if you are like me, there are two uh, great old Christian songs uh, based off of the, the, these verses that I'm about to read. The first is by a guy named Charlie Peacock. And it's titled Psalm 51, and it's based off the beginning of the psalm. And then later in what I, the passage I'm going to read, uh, the late, great Keith Green put uh, to music, and it's a song called Create in Me a Clean Heart. So I'm going to be reading Psalm 51. And this psalm um, is a psalm of repentance. David wrote it after Nathan confronted him with what he had done with Bathsheba. And so this is the, the context of this, this passage so if you want to follow with me, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 13. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. 
Against you and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and the hidden part of what you, you will make known wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain with me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Pray with me. Father, we just come before you. Uh, we just thank you and praise you for uh, just loving us, uh, being com uh, compassionate enough to us to confront us when, when moments arise where we need to be confronted, for loving us even in the darkest moments of our life, uh, for forgiving us of those same moments. And Father, just for being there and being um, a God who truly loves and cares about his people, Father. Um, let's pray for Bryson as he travels, God. I pray for our whole staff as they, um, they begin this worship service. Father, we pray that this service would be uh, worthy in your sight. Be with Neil as he, as he uh, brings the word, Father. We just pray you would bless our staff, God. Just renew, revive, and refresh them, God. Help them uh, in, in everything that they're doing, Father. And um, Father, we just pray that this church would be a lighthouse to this community. And Father, we, we love you, we thank you, and just ask this in your name. Amen. And we're going to begin worship this morning with singing we have come into his house. Worshiping with singing glory to his name.
we sing that chorus one more time? And I just want you to know, like, it's okay for you to, like, raise a hand and give glory to his name if you want to. Like, sometimes we have to be told that we can do things or we, like, kind of don't. We stand real stiff. And some of you are doing this number. Like, several of you. So we're going to sing it one more time. And if you want to raise your hand, you can totally do that in this building. So let's sing that chorus one more time. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Felt pretty good, didn't it? You can be seated. Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His
think he leadeth me together to set up for our message. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much just for allowing us to come into your house to worship this morning, God, um, and glorify your name, God. Lord, thank you um, just for the promise that, Lord, if you watch over the sparrows in the fields, how much more do you watch over us? And God, um, not only are you watching over us, but Lord, you're leading us if we just um, follow in faith, God, and follow in willingness. So Lord, as we um, open a new series this morning, God, Lord, I just pray that our hearts will be open to just follow you, Lord. Um, God, this morning, the message kind of points out the wrong in all of us, God. Um, and so may we have hearts this morning um, to be encouraged by what's revealed to us instead of putting up walls or boundaries, God. And Lord, if there's things in our life preventing us or hindering us um, from following you, God, Lord, I just pray that those will be out of the way this morning. Lord, if we have some with us who have never followed you, Lord, we pray that today will be their day of salvation. And we just pray that you be with us as a church, um, that we fellowship and love one another, God, and that we just praise your name together. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children are dismissed for Children's Church in the back with Miss Vaughn. Okay, as our children leave, um, please turn to the book of Isaiah. We are finished with Galatians. If you were not here last week, that was our last sermon of 23, I think, in Galatians. So here's my hope for the book of Isaiah, which is an incredible book. The, um, the thinking on Isaiah is that everything essential to Christian theology is found in the book of Isaiah. Meaning, if you or I were imprisoned and all we had was the book of Isaiah, we would have all that we would need for life and godliness. So, now I know if you are thumbing ahead, you see, man, Isaiah has 66 chapters. <laughs> and if I've followed his pattern, <laughs> I don't know what will happen first, his retirement or Isaiah. Um, but here's what my, my hope and my plan is, is that we will be in Isaiah until Advent. 
Okay, so I'm not going to preach verse by verse through Isaiah like I normally approach a book. I'm going to pick uh, what I feel are about the 20 key passages in Isaiah. And we're going to preach those 20, and then we are going to celebrate Christmas and Advent. Okay? Does that sound like a plan? Um, so here you're talking about Christmas in July. So Isaiah chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 20. But I encourage you, between the sermons, to study the book. Study the context. That's going to be crucial to keeping up week to week. Um, not only for your personal growth, but for you know, understanding a lot that I'm attempting to communicate. So the other honest piece I need to give you is that I'm preaching someone else's sermon today. In fact, over the next 20 weeks, I'm going to be preaching someone else's sermon. I'm going to be preaching Isaiah's sermons. His sermon is perfect. And my delivery is going to fall short. And my illustrations at time are going to be silly or crummy. But when we are reading his message to his people, we are reading nothing less than God's word. And we need to approach it as such. So let's dive into this. Um, the book of Isaiah. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz. Concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth. For the Lord speaks, quote, Sons I have reared up and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger, but Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Your land is desolate, your cities are burned with fire. Your fields, strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation. It's overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard. Like a shack out in the field. Like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field. Like a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom and we would be like Gomorrah. And you're thinking, where is the good news in all of this? Okay? Got to take the book as a whole. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate, and that's a strong word, isn't it? I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They become a burden to me. I'm weary of hearing them, of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, 
I shall hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil and learn to do good. Seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. And then notice there's a shift here, okay? There's hope here. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool, if you consent and obey. Hey, you'll eat the best of the land, but here's the warning. If you refuse and if you rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Father, we are humbled by the words of your prophet Isaiah, for we know that what he speaks, Lord, you speak. So with humility and reverence, we approach our, our new book, our new series, with um, just a, a prayer that all of us would honestly examine ourselves in light of you and your holiness and you and your grace. Help us to understand that first we must come to grips with the bad news before we will ever really love and embrace and trust the good news. So thank you for how you approach us through your prophet Isaiah. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to title this first introductory sermon, A Necessary Orientation. A Necessary Orientation. Now, I preach in such a way that as I do so, you can tell a little bit about what all is going on in my own personal life. And so Tuesday... Uh, my son Jake has a college orientation at Shorter University. So we've got that on our minds. This will not be my first college orientation. I went through one myself many moons ago. I've been through a few with my older sons. And just to be honest with you, the older I get, the better I pay attention to the orientations. Now, if you're in transition, starting at a new school or a new job or whatever, it's, uh, it's always good to go through orientation. Because in your orientation, you're going to hear, this is how life works where you are now going. These are the rules. This is the culture. Here are your obligations and responsibilities. Here are the things that you need to know. In order to do things well where you are now, this is what you have to deal with. Now, the reason I call this a necessary orientation is that God has called Isaiah to set things right with God's people in the world. Isaiah is reorienting God's people to how life really works. And if you and I, as the people then, are going to do life well, and if we're going to do life appropriately, then there are certain facts that you and I must come to grips with. These are irreducible they're as tangible and realistic as gravity. But they are spiritual truths that all of us every day are, are living in and functioning in, whether we accept them or believe them. Simply put, this is what God says life is about. This is what God says are the facts of the case related to where we are and who we are and how we are called to live. So... This is the situation at hand. And so I want to lay before us this morning five truths, five facts, so that we can 
orient ourselves or reorient ourselves to life in God's world. Now, number one, and again, I'm preaching Isaiah's sermon with my own structure and ideas and comments and illustrations. So in verses 1 and 2, I really feel like what God is saying to us through Isaiah is that God is sovereign. That God is creator. That this is not my world. This is not my life. That I'm living in his world. He's the one who is in control of absolutely everything. When we show up for life, which is a sacred gift, God himself is the orientation director. Now, where I get this is in verse 2. He says, listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth. Now, who can call heaven and earth in as witnesses? Who has that authority? Who has that control? Who has that power? God alone can call heaven and earth and the whole universe in as witnesses to hear the case. Now, the way commentators have presented Isaiah, it's, it's, it's as if Isaiah is speaking on behalf of God and there is a court case at hand. And God has a case with his people. And God has revealed himself and his truth through prophets like Isaiah to set the case straight. And so, from the very beginning... The top button that we button every day to get the rest of the shirt right is that God is sovereign and in control. He has breathed this universe into existence. Apart from Him, we do not exist. He is, get this, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere. He is omniscient. All-knowing. He is providential in that he is in control and guiding and ruling. He's immutable. He's unchanging. So then I had a note to self. So who do you think you are? And let's be real. Daily, you and I need to start with point number one. Who do you think you are? Next week in chapter 2, we're going to talk about the insidious pride that we have. But, you know, I'm like you. I wake up on Monday morning, and I rush into life, and I've forgotten that it is, this is my Father's world. When Catherine asked me to sing, His Eye is on the Sparrow, man, that was a no-brainer for me. I love that song. That song has some solid, encouraging truth in it that you and I need every moment of every day. How can I know for certain that his eye really is on the sparrow and that he watches me? Well, because Jesus said so, but the whole Bible says so. Heaven and earth is called in to be a witness and a testifier and a confirmer of everything that Isaiah is going to to say and to see. Another, Another note to self. If I forget that life is a sacred gift from a supreme giver, I will become selfish, I will become ungrateful, I will become demanding. And I will become miserable. Let's move on from point number one because it's elementary. But let's start at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. And in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the whole story begins with, In the beginning, God. And that's where you and I have to start every single day moment of every single day. Who's up to such a task? Number two, here's some real good news. You already know it. You feel it. Humanity is rebellious. We are born rebels. 
by nature, we do not like the fact that there is a God that is not us that is ruling and reigning over the universe. We do not like being told what to do. We do not like rules and regulations. We sit there in orientation the way I sat in my very first orientation and said to myself, I don't need this stuff. (laughs) I'll figure it out on my own. (laughs) And that's one of the most foolish things that we can say, entering into a new environment in which we are not in control. But listen to what Isaiah says. Look, I've got children that I have taken care of. I've reared them and I've brought them up. But they have revolted against me. Read this book from beginning to end, and it it reads us. It tells us that you and I, by nature, are rebels against God's authority, His Word. But but the, the honest reality is He has been so good to us. He's been so good to us. In fact, with his own people, it it is said about them what is said of us, that he had redeemed them with his outstretched arm. Not only has he provided us every good and perfect gift from above, life, but he's also redeemed us. He has saved us. So then he talks about the ox and the donkey. He uses agricultural illustrations that we still get today because I've said about people or myself let me say myself I'm as dumb as an ox (laughs) you ever use that one donkey (laughs) notorious animals for foolishness and not getting it I could not help but remember that when Glenlock started one night in Bethlehem, years before, on this very spot, we had a donkey named Leroy. And he stole the show in not only good ways, but in some bad ways. I'll never forget Sunday morning, I'm trying to preach over there, and Leroy is braying in the distance on a Sunday morning. He was vital, but he was so stupid. (laughs) We could not load this donkey up and get him on the trailer. You can talk to Ellis. You can talk to my dad. Talk to some other people. Asa was a little baby, little little boy at that time. I can't remember the exact age. But he walked around saying, Leroy is so stupid. Leroy is so stupid. (laughs) Leroy is stupid. You know, he had his fingers in his mouth. Leroy is stupid and he's dumb. The whole scene was traumatic trying to get this donkey on the trailer, and we never got him to cooperate. i got to get to the spiritual point here. Man, you and I are so dumb and so foolish and so stubborn and so hard-headed that oxes and donkeys make us look like, we make them look like geniuses half the time. So we say to ourselves, how could I do that? How could they do that? I've got to move on. We are created to know Him. We were created to understand Him. Look at verse 4. Weighed down with iniquity. Man, sin is heavy. It's a heavy burden. Offspring of evildoers. Children who we've taken care of. Look, they've acted corruptly. They've abandoned the Lord. They've despised the Holy One. They've turned away from Him. So just in verses 2 and 3, we've got this point. That humanity by nature is rebellious. We are rebellious. We don't know him. We don't want to know him. But by not knowing God, we are missing the very purpose for which we exist. By rebelling against God, we are literally sawing off the only limb that is supporting us in the tree. R.C. Sproul said this, Every sin is an act of cosmic treason. Every sin is an act of cosmic treason. A futile attempt to dethrone God in His sovereign authority. Got to move on, but two facts in orientation already given us. Number one, God is sovereign. Number two, hey, we're all rebels. And the basis of our rebellion is against God and His authority. Number three, sin has consequences. 
We saw just a couple weeks ago in Galatians, you reap what you sow. Now what he's going to rattle off next is just the reality. Okay, have it your way. Go against God. But there are God-ordained consequences in life, whether you like them or not, whether you accept them or not. This is the way it's going to be in God's universe. And so in verse 5, let's walk through this quickly, okay? Where will you be stricken again? I mean, like, you, you never learn. You continue in rebellion. So, so then he says from top to bottom, this is comprehensive it's universal. It sounds a lot like Romans chapter 3. If you're familiar with Romans chapter 3, your head is sick, your heart is faint, the sole of the foot to the head, you know, from top to bottom. There's no aspect of our lives that's not tainted by the consequences of sin. Just look around you, look at us. There's nothing sound in it. It lacks integrity and soundness. There's bruises, there's welts, there's wounds that are not taken care of, they're not bandaged up, there's no nursing, there's no care. I mean, this is, this is a mess. And so it leaves you asking the question, what happened? What happened? Hey, we were at Carrollton Manor on Thursday. We go once a month and we sing songs like His Eyes on the Sparrow. And at the end of our time at Carrollton Manor, a little man... Older man, obviously, Carrollton Manor. He's in a wheelchair and he scoots up to me. He didn't sing the whole time we were there. He just looked the whole time we were there like he was in agonizing pain. And he does. He lives with chronic leg pain. And in many of our sessions, he has to leave. He just he can't be there anymore. Well, on Thursday, I noticed that he had bruises all over. And his left arm was in a little cast. And he was a little bit worse in appearance than he had been the previous times that I'd seen him. And he asked me to lean down. And he says, will you pray for me? And his name's Tracy. I said, Mr. Tracy, what happened? He said, I fell. And he had the bumps and the bruises and the pain and the obvious appearance to show that something had happened. So I prayed with him. When you look at your life, honestly, when we look around us, honestly, and we get the great physician to properly diagnose where we are and what's happening, the head is sick, heart is faint, from the top to the bottom and the bottom to the top, there's nothing sound, there's bruises. There. What has happened to us? And the plain, simple truth is we've fallen. We've rebelled against God. Sin has consequences. Look at 7 through 9. Your land is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers are devouring what's around us. The daughter of Zion, this beautiful daughter, is left like a, sh a shotgun shack. Vulnerable out in the middle of the field. And look at verse 9. God is so gracious. Unless the Lord of hosts had left a few survivors, we'd have, we would have been completely wiped out and obliterated like Sodom and Gomorrah. I must move on. But you know this already because you've lived it already and you've seen other people live it. Sin has consequences. As God assesses the situation at the orientation, he says, if you disobey, if you violate or rebel against me and my word, this is what it's going to look like. All right, moving on. Number four, worship demands purity. Worship demands purity. Look at verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord. That's our signal that this is a new section. Alright? But he's still hanging on to this idea of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why in the world is he talking about Sodom and Gomorrah? Because Sodom and Gomorrah was notorious for wickedness, rebellion, and sinfulness. You already know that. That is still with us today whether you read the Bible or not. 
give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. So he talks to the rulers and leaders, and then he talks to the hoi polloi, the masses. Then in verses 11 through 15, he basically says, I am sick and tired of your worship. We forget that God is a person and not an it. And when you violate people, they get emotional. God says, I'm exhausted. I'm sick of this. My soul can't take it anymore. It sounds like you talking about your workplace or your home place or whatever, right? Hey, we are people. In our own rights, we are human beings created in the image of God. So, so God is expressing his disgust with their worship. Now, let me clarify some things because these people were not just going through the motions. That's bad enough. So it'll drive a boss or a coach. Let's take a coach, for example. Our coaches used to crawl our frames because there were practices where we were just going through the motions. And we were, our heart really wasn't in it. And there are Sundays when we show up, and let's be honest, we're just going through the motions. We're here from 10.30 to 11.30, 11.45, then we leave, and maybe we'll think about God sometime before next Sunday, just going through the motions. This was worse than that. This would be like me showing up for practice and not just going through the motions, but I'm actually spying out for the other team. I'm taking what our coach is doing and selling and teaching, and I'm calling the opponents, and I'm giving them the information. Hey, that's worse than just going through the motions. That's sleeping with the enemy. That's doing the devil's work. Why is God so adamant and so sick and so hateful toward the service of worship? And, and here's what I learned this week. Not only were they not in it in sincerity, but they were in it in wickedness and unrighteousness. Pagan idolatry and sinful, wicked, abomination, gross sin was involved in the life of the leadership and the people in connection to the worship services. So this wasn't just they're not giving their best. This was their calling what I deem to be righteous and pure. They're engaging in sinful acts in the midst of the worship. Now, we're going to learn more about this as we go, but here's the gist of it. We must worship the right God in the right way, and God demands purity of heart in our worship. He demands our sincerity. He demands our integrity. God is looking at our character and our heart. So when, you know, Catherine and I sing or when I preach or when we play the piano or whatever we do, God is looking at the heart of the person. God is looking deeper. God is looking internally. And really only God can assess the measure of a worship service. And what's he looking for? He's looking for our hearts. Well, that's very humbling and that is very convicting. Because has Neil Aubrey ever preached a sermon with a perfectly pure heart? Not in my lifetime. So that begs for something, doesn't it? That requires something, doesn't it? Hang on to that thought as I begin to land this sermon. Worship demands purity. So, so then let's look at number five. Repentance is necessary. Repentance is absolutely necessary. So, so God says basically, okay, when you're praying, they're just, your prayers are just hitting the ceiling. I'm not listening. Because you're so hypocritical, and you're so unrighteous, and you think you can go through the motions, and even give secrets to the other team, and give, get away with it. Look at verse 16. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. There are nine, nine admonitions. Aren't you glad I don't go through all these with lengthy explanation? Nine of them. I'm just going to talk about them. Wash yourselves, number one. 
Make yourself clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil and learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Hey, if there are children and orphans in your area, you take care of them. If there are widows and vulnerable people in your community, you take care of them. Don't come into here and sing the songs and say good sermon and then go out there and take advantage of the vulnerable and the hurting out there in society. Go back to number one, God's sovereign. He sees it all. He knows what we're doing and he knows how we're living. And he's saying stop doing bad and start doing good. That's a simple sermon, isn't it? Look at verse 18. Here is the great invitation of God. Come. Hey, let's reason together. Now, now what this means is, you're rational people. You're smart people. Think about it. Let us determine what is right. Let's see what really is the case here. I got the picture of people arguing a call in a sport, and they've got these replays, and they, they call up to the booth. Was it on the line or not on the line? Was it targeting or was it not targeting? I'll tell you, in Georgia Ohio State game, it was not targeting. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. Just trying to see if you're listening. But God says, come, okay, and let's reason together. Then let's, 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 let's end on a serious good news note here. Because this is Christ. Listen to what God says. After rattling off a series of bad things. And then giving nine instructions that are impossible for anyone like you and me to ever live in a righteous and pure way. I mean, can I really wash myself? Can I really clean myself up? As it says earlier, can I, can I hide from God the evil deeds of my life? I don't know how you measure up, but I, I'm becoming more aware of, of how I'm measuring up, and, and it's not good. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you will consent and obey, that is, repent and turn, hey, you'll have life and life abundantly. You'll eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, if you never break, if you never break, never surrender, and you never wave the white flag, you will be devoured by the sword. The Bible says you will die in your sins. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Repentance is necessary, but let's call a time out here. Because so far, I'm missing something. So far, I have heard the demands of orientation, but I need some help. <laughs> I need good news. And that's why I'm here as the preacher this morning, to say, we're going to take this book as a whole. This is the introduction. It is a necessary orientation, but the orientation is only the beginning. It is the next four or whatever years you're going to spend being where you are that all of this is going to be worked out. And so let me tell you, if, if you look back at verse 2, what did it say? Listen. Look at verse 2. Hear. Look at verse 10. Hear the word. Look at verse 20. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Here's what we need to do at this point in the message. Ben and I yesterday were crossing a dangerous highway. We were on a gator. Not an not a animal, but a machine. And you know what the three words of crossing the road are? Stop, look, and listen. Stop, look, and listen. So here at this juncture, what Isaiah is telling us is stop, 
look and listen. And if you listen to what he is going to say, we'll say to Isaiah and with Isaiah kind of what we say at Christmas. Do you hear what I hear? Right? Do you hear what I hear? How can it be that blood-stained garments could ever be made white as snow? How? Later in this book, you're going to hear good news. And the good news is going to say, By His stripes we are healed. These five truths call for a Savior. You know what Isaiah's name means? It means Yahweh is salvation. John the Baptist is going to point to who Isaiah pointed to. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The suffering servant songs which come later in Isaiah are the songs about the Savior that God is going to provide who is going to wash them who is going to clean them, who is going to create in them a new nature and a new heart. He is going to seek justice. He is going to reprove the ruthless. He is going to defend the orphan. He is going to plead for the widow. His sacrifice and his offering is going to be acceptable and pleasing to God. And by his righteousness, I'm going to be counted righteous. What I'm saying is that Isaiah paves the way for the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why Isaiah's gospel has been called the fifth gospel. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But in Isaiah, you hear, all of us like sheep have gone astray. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who is him? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus can help you, Jesus alone. William Cooper, and then I'm done. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. All their guilty stains. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Isaiah points to Jesus. Let's go to him. Father, thank you that you invite us to come to you and reason together so that having seen our own guilt and fallenness and the consequences of sin, not only on our lives personally, but on our world our nation, our culture, that we would find that there is no greater friend than Jesus. That he loved us and gave himself up for us. That he is the pure worshiper. That he is the sacrifice of atonement. That he is the only one who can give us a new heart and a new nature so that our worship be it our singing, our preaching, our praying, our living, our giving and our ministries can be acceptable to you, not because of who we are, but rather, Father, because of who Jesus is. Then we can do it joyfully, we can do it courageously, we can do it passionately, but we will also do it humbly. For were it not for your grace, we would become and be just like Sodom and Gomorrah. Thank you for redeeming grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Here's the invitation. He says, come, let us reason. Softly and tenderly, Jesus invites us to come. You come as we sing.
and I've got good news to share with us. Miss Joe, if you'll come up with Stephanie. This is Miss Joe Foreman, uh, Stephanie's Stephanie Roberts' mother, and uh, she has lived in Alabama, where she was a part of Lebanon Baptist Church, and she's moved into our community. She lives in Franklin now, closer to Stephanie and Giles, uh, and she would like to unite with our church by transfer of letter from Lebanon. Baptist in Alabama. So, Miss Joe, we are grateful for you and your improved health. She's been in the hospital over the course of a few weeks, and we've been praying for her, and she's better. And uh, anyway, that's enough of me. Uh, what's the pleasure of Glenlock Baptist Church? Okay, have a second already. All in favor, let me know by saying Amen. 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 Miss Joe, that's all of us. So, Stephanie, if you'll stand with your mom and. Larry and Sandy, why don't y'all come down as well and stand with Stephanie and Joe. And then after our benediction, please come and welcome Miss Joe into our church fellowship. Um, today from 6 to 8, reminder, cookout right out here. Homemade ice cream, hamburgers, hot dogs, water slide, the works. Uh, show up and let's fellowship. I also want to make a point. Darrell said that seven years ago today, he was in surgery, Right? Happy, happy, miraculous seven-year anniversary on a new liver. Amen. Amen. Catherine, if you'll close us, please. So it says doxology, but let's sing Family of God instead. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. We'll see y'all this evening for ice cream. <laughs> 